Hey team of Eternal Optimists, it's Matt Drinkon here. And before we launch into today's epic conversation, I've got a big announcement. Drum roll, please. My brand new book is coming out on March 8th. And perhaps even better news, you can get it for only 99 cents on Amazon that day. We don't run ads on the show. And if you ever want to give back and support the Eternal Optimist community, go to Amazon on March 8th and get the Kindle version for only 99 cents. Just search for the book title, The Eternal Optimist. It's never too late. And you can download it directly to your device. Now, let's get to the show. Welcome back, team, to another episode of The Eternal Optimist Podcast. It is my sincere pleasure to be with a fellow perfectionist slash high achiever slash someone who's completed many marathons slash someone who runs a big company and helps entrepreneurs and leaders in a very specific niche publish their books. And there's so much more to uncover. We're talking to a titan in the business right now. My guest today is Laura DeFranco. Laura DeFranco, welcome to the show, Laura. How are you today? Thank you, Matt. I'm excited for this conversation. I've never been called a titan before. I like that. Okay. If you had to pick what are three words, three nouns or adjectives, you pick it. Three words might best describe you. I use titan. What would you use? I don't know. Sexy hippie warrior goddess. Something like that. Sexy hippie warrior (laughs) goddess. Oh, the best answer. Oh. (laughs) Sexy hippie. That's four words. Sorry. I'm a writer. So like I had to squeak in one extra word. I was going to say you're an overachiever and we cannot stop. When everyone else stops at three, I got to give you a four. I like it. I like it. Laura, it's a real sincere pleasure to meet you today. And as we dive in and get started, I'd love to give some context. We're going to talk about things that have been challenging your world today. So you can relate to the audience challenges and how you've overcome those. We're going to talk about your business and your mission in the world and how you're serving people. Before we get to any of that, though, I'd love to get some context. Can you give the audience a little bit, just tell us maybe three bullet points of information about who is Laura DeFranco first? Yeah, thanks. I spent 30 years as a holistic physical therapist. That's really important for people to know. I've been a healer my whole life, and I did all that before I started to do what I'm doing now, which is help other healers. So that's one big thing. I am a lifelong athlete. You mentioned the marathoning. I am a third degree black belt in Taekwondo. I played collegiate soccer for a couple of years. I love moving my body. Part of my overachievement, I call exercise and peak performance my drug of choice. I love to move my body and I love to understand how that body moves. An anatomy geek maybe might be the third thing that kind of ties in with the first two. And of course, writing, I've been doing it since I was 15 in journals and now I publish and it's been quite an amazing journey of healing. Wow. Wow. Okay. So many places we can go. You've just given us an entire encyclopedia of places we can go. So thank you. Let's start with this. You said that you've been writing since you were 15. I'm really interested in this because I journal now about 95% of the day since 2015, July. So I'm really into journaling, did a little bit younger in life. You've been doing it since you were 15. Can you take us back maybe to when you started and share what was your first journal entry? And then let's go down the journaling path for a little while, please. Journaling. I love talking about journaling and I have every single journal I've ever owned still. Wow. 
And the little tiny, I wish I had it for show and tell on the video, but the little tiny blue with white polka dot journal with the little silver lock and key yes. was the first one. Right? Yeah. You can picture it, right? Oh, yeah. This little diary. We called them diaries back then. And of course, it's filled with like poems about boys. Come on now, like all of that stuff. 15 years old, all the stuff. And journaling, I think, was just a safe space for me to do everything I wanted to do in terms of what my goals are for my life. And also my big secrets, the things I needed to unload. The pages took that stuff and helped me with awareness, helped me be a witness to myself. It was a healing journey for many years. So journaling is a big deal for me. There's a pretty cool story about how it tied into my first published book too, if you want to hear that. I one. would love to hear that story. <laughs> Please tee it up. Because I'd been an avid journaler for ever and never really stopped. Back when my son was five and a half, we were looking for something to for him to do just to socialize and activity, whatever. We went in and watched a Taekwondo class together. We were curious about that. And we left the class and I looked down at him and I said, are you going to do it? And he looked up at me and he's like, well, I'll do it if you do it, mom. And six years later, we earned our black belts together. And I had been journaling like I always had throughout those six years, all the details of being a, a mom and a wife and a healer and a martial artist and the journey he and I were taking together. And I looked at those journals and I'm like, oh, there's the book. And so the first book was called Living, Healing, and Taekwondo, and it detailed that journey of those years together and just all of the things we've been talking about. And it's hard to publish your first book baby to the world with all your stories and everything, but it was a start. It was a cool story to tell. Awesome. Wow. <laughs> How did you feel when you were going back and reading through that journal on the publishing journey? What emotions that elicit from you in retrospect? Yeah, you can imagine, right? So one cool thing about our Taekwondo master, thank you, Master Holloway, was that for every exam where we were ranking up on our belt, we had to submit an essay. Wow. I know. Like I fell in love with that piece. He didn't know what he was asking for from me, a writer, right? When he told me, hey, you guys have to turn in an essay for every exam. So I had every essay in those journals first, and then I would type it out and send it to him on the exam day. When I got to go back and read those for the book, I thought, whoa, the first thought was like, are you really going to publish these? Are you going to let people read the stuff here? And the answer for me was yes. I wanted to just be real with people and give them a window because I think that's what helps people not feel alone in their own minds yeah. and lives. Yeah. Yeah, a lot of them, of course. Like, there was a lot there. This is so affirming to me because of the journaling I do. A lot of it is around being a dad and being a husband. Maybe this is like future me wanting to seek some emotion in the future. The feeling that you just caused me to feel was one of joy and almost a tear because I just finished, we talked about it a minute ago. I just finished my first marathon this past weekend. And the reason that I did it, my why, was selfish. I wanted to have that feeling when I crossed the last finish line and see my kids, my wife there. And I did. And it was a joyless moment of pure emotion where I started to cry. And it was just an amazing moment. And I feel that maybe it could happen in the future for me. In any event, 
thank you for sharing that story. And I'm taking some notes over here from a business perspective. I'm thinking for every new belt of level up, <laughs> you had to submit an essay. I'm wondering how I might convert that into a client facing thing for me. Do you convert that into your business in some way for every new level or healing they get? Is there something they write or do with you? The writing and publishing process sits on a foundation that writing and publishing and being out loud with your stories is a healing and self-development journey. So we hold that space very sacred here. And I really want people to know that if you're with people who don't get that, your journey will be much different. And if you're with people who do get it, you'll have some support and love and help along the way when you're diving into stuff that you didn't even realize. Sometimes even I'll write a story and I'll have a, a reaction. I'll be in a triggery moment with it. And I'll think to myself, whoa, I thought I had dealt with that one already. <laughs> but the writing, yeah. that process was like, oh, maybe there's just another little nugget that you need to let surface. I just love that the universe made me do my 30 years of healing first before I started working with people to write it out loud. Everything is perfect divine timing and all set up for us. I want to say I totally agree, but this is happening and but just give me a little more time and then it'll be perfect. Like the perfectionist inside. So many things to unpack. The thing that just came to mind is when the student is ready, the teacher will appear and you invested 30 years into healing and to physical therapy. And that prepared you for where you are now to welcome and invite people to their journey with you. And I'm very interested in this journey of how people come to you, of who's the person that might be the avatar to come to you to help publish their book. And, and the reason I'm so curious is because for me, I, I always wanted to be an author. I had a typewriter back in the day when you had to push and put that thing in there that would you push it on your typewriter <laughs> and the white would go and, and black out. Then you take that thing out of your typewriter and put it back in. I remember my parents got me one of those in seventh grade in the first book that I wrote. I didn't know how to publish anything. And as an adult now at 46 who wanted to write something forever, maybe I was scared because I didn't know, A, how to write it, B, how to structure it, C, especially how to actually publish it and do all the things that I don't even know what I'm talking about. I don't know. So I'm maybe a little bit afraid. I'm sure there are many people out there that want to publish a book that don't know what they don't know. So help invite me and those people to your world, Laura, because you have something that probably a lot of people want. We just don't know how to start. So help us on that journey. Who is the person that you might be seeking to come to you that you can help in this journey? Oh, Matt, you're so awesome. Thanks for asking that question. It's the why behind what I do is because I want to pay forward all the info and knowledge I've gained. And I stay in that beginner's mind. There's stuff that I still don't know. And I'm learning every single day, but every time I can pay forward and I made a lot of mistakes and had some failures in the beginning, but I love it that I could sit here today and pay the knowledge forward and give you all some secrets and tips and little catapult to publishing so that you feel really great about it because books are a legacy business. You are leaving these brave words for your kids, for their kids, for lots of other people besides your kids and their kids. So it's important to me. It's big potatoes stuff. So I say my my person is usually a holistic health and wellness coach, professional, practitioner, somebody who is out there helping the world. And they want to bring these stories and strategies, practical tools into the world for their audiences and their 
clients and all the people they serve. And how cool is it for me that your legacy is also mine? Like when I get to help you bring these stories and things out there, that's also important to me. So it's one of the things I want to tell people when they're shopping around for support, because there's a lot out there, then that person better care about what you want to leave in the world. And there better be an alignment because when those two energies come together, oh my gosh, it's so much bigger at that point, right? When Mm -hmm. we launch books into the world, we want to come together as collaborators Mm -hmm. in that message that is important to you. You got me started on this topic, which I'll talk about all day because I love it so much. You can ask me anything that you want to know specifically, and I'd be super happy to share. I'm afraid of what I don't know when it comes to publishing a book on my own or through a publisher. So one of the things that, that I might be afraid of is I want to publish a book. I want to write a book. I just simply don't know what to do first. I meet you, someone who will help, you said, holistic wellness coach or people that want to help the world. You want to help them bring that legacy forward. Let's say that I want to bring a legacy forward and I am a holistic and wellness coach or I'm someone that simply, I want to help other people. I want to bring help to the world, bring my legacy forward. What might the first conversation look like with you? Because I have no idea where to start. It's just a seed in my mind that I want to write and I don't know how, I don't know what format, I don't know anything that comes next other than I want the book to be done. What's the first step in that journey with you, Laura? Because I'm also a business strategist and it's one of the things that I want to be as a publisher is also your smart business strategist publisher who makes sure that you start at the first step, which is knowing your ideal reader. Now, you and I could have a business conversation. We could talk about ideal client all day long, but that really, and maybe it seems boring, but really it's important. Who is reading this book? This isn't only what you want to write. It's what they want to read. And so if you go back to ideal client and ideal reader and you start to interview some people in your world, you know, I'm about to write a book. What would you want to know since you've been my client, my awesome ideal client for so long? What would you want me to write about? What are the tips and tricks that have helped you the most? What was the most impactful in our work together? For me, and I know pieces of this, it was the getting over the fear of not good enough. And I wrote that book called How to Have Fun with Your Fear because my clients were like, oh, imposter syndrome was paralyzing them. Perfectionism, please. Oh my gosh. The amount of books that could have been published had it not been for the perfectionism getting in the way. So you start with them in mind because it's not really about you. And that fear of not good enough is boring to me. Because your words and work could be changing or saving a life if you would just get over yourself and start to understand that what you're creating is for them. Mm. It doesn't have to be perfect. It doesn't have to be perfect is the word. You understand that person first, and then you make an outline. You start a beefy book outline about that journey from A to Z, and you start to talk about These books, by the way, are called teaching memoirs because they're personal story combined with practical tool. You make an outline about what that is for the person, the journey you're going to take them on. What do they need to know about me to trust me so that I can then teach them something? And my books are structured in lots of different kinds of ways. So there's lots of answers to your question about like, where do I start? But that's probably a great place to start this conversation. So they start with know who your ideal reader might be. As an example, me, 46, 
someone that has done really well in business at the expense of personal relationships. I thought I was doing it for you, dear. And it turns out I've alienated everyone in my life because I've just focused on my lens. I want to connect with other people who are starting to realize that or want to realize that and hear other people. My book started with a journey, kind of like you said, that we did a big beefy book outline and the outline walks us through the journey of the different stages where all these things are right, effed up and made mistakes. And here's the learning moment. We started that way. And the way you're describing it is beautiful. I love the way you're describing it. So we start to get the outline. Once I've got an outline, so many people out there may think they have the outline. They may have written some stories down, some lessons. What's next that can help them allay some <laughs> of those fears in the process? I think that your mindset definitely has to be reader oriented. And what can get you through the fear sometimes are some really badass quotes. And one of them is everything's been written before, but not by you. That is one of my favorites, honestly, because your topics have been written about before. And it's your unique voice and your unique storytelling and your unique skills and combination. That's what that person needs to read to have their life changed. So just remember that as you move through and don't shy away from personal story. A lot of authors will ask, what's TMI? What's too much information in a book? And I'm like, I don't believe in TMI. I believe that the more personal it is, the more universal it is. You're going to be speaking directly to the heart and soul of somebody when you're brave enough and courageous enough to really put that out there. They read the story and they are like, whoa, how did he know he's talking to me? This is my story. But until we figure this out, I see authors dancing around the information. They don't give it all up or they don't even share those personal stories. They step right into master teacher mode right away. And they don't build a no love and trust with their reader first. Like, why would I hire you out of the hundred people if you're not going to help me trust you and out of those hundred people that I could read their book or hire them to help me, it's the one who gives up that personal story who I'm like, ooh, she's my gal, he's my guy. Because there's already an aligned, resonant vibe there because of the storytelling. So you could tell I get excited about this. So that's some of it. I love it. You've given us a couple of nuggets and one little tiny tidbit, listeners. If you're interested in publishing a book, then this is right up your alley. If not, and I'm still listening right now for some great personal things and great stories that we're hearing. And I've heard a couple of them. I want to repeat. One is that your words of work can really help or save a life. That is so true. Your personal story, dear listener, can help or save someone else's life. And the more detailed, granular, real you are with it, that's what draws all of us in. So I love that you're really centered in on reader mindset, the people that are reading it, how you can serve them through their lens. So I love that. And then the last thing you said, the more personal it is, the more universal it is. I love that. That is the quote of the day for me. I love that. And you've got some great quotes. Everything's been written before, but not by you. <laughs> I love that. This is great. It's hard to be vulnerable, right? With those personal stories. That takes some courage. And then it's one thing to put it in your journal, but it's quite another thing to decide to publish and then to actually tell people you published and share it out and promote it and market it is a whole nother level of courage that you need. It's a journey. <laughs> yes. Let's go back to your journey and getting over your fear 
because you had your first book or one of your books is getting over fear and having fun with it. And I love to go back and first, what's the name of that book? And take us back to why you wrote that book. Love to go back to that story. (laughs) That was How to Have Fun with Your Fear is the name of that book. It's one of my signature teaching memoirs because at that point in time, I think that was book number three, just so you know the timeline. I realized I honed in on this fear thing as something I really loved talking about. So by book three, I was honed in a little bit, niched down a little more. I was really following my own advice in book three and doing a better job of talking to my ideal reader and my ideal client. I wanted my fellow professionals and healers to understand that if they can't figure out how to talk about themselves and share their beautiful words and work in the world, nobody's life gets changed. They had to get over the fear of selling. They had to get over the fear of talking about themselves and then of sharing those personal and sometimes very vulnerable stories. And that was that how to have fun with it. The fear inside of you is a feeling. And sometimes the problem is it feels very much like survival fear, like you're going to die. And so viscerally in your heart, in your chest, in your gut, all the things are feeling like that. But I call this purpose-driven fear. This is a kind of fear that feels like that crazy survival fear, but really it's purpose-driven. It aligns with something you want to do in your life that's exciting. Fear is just a feeling in your body. It's excitement without the breath. Yes. That's something a breath worker told me a long time ago. And if you can start to use the awareness process and discern these subtle differences in the way that you are afraid in your body, this comes from my holistic healing background as a physical therapist, then man, you've got some secrets to the universe. Seriously, you've got ninja moves of mindset at that point. And mindset is your practice. I changed the word mindfulness to bodyfulness because the way that you set your mind is by understanding the sensations in your body. I know I just threw a bunch of stuff at you all at once, but this is a really important topic to me in terms of what we're doing here and getting over the fear. Yes. And I want to throw a frame in here for some of the listeners. And this may hit both male and female listeners. It's going to be challenging for some of our male listeners to really understand what Laura just said, to be able to feel fear in your body or to be able to feel anything really, to be specifically to feel something in your body. And through emotional intelligence work is what I would call it with a coach. I've been able to learn how when feeling fear, it shows up in a certain part of my body. And what that might mean is that something needs to come out and be known. And it might mean anytime I feel fear, it's time for a real vulnerable conversation with someone. And I love that we have someone here today. So listeners take note that we have someone that is very versed in being able to feel and help some of us big cerebral thinkers to convert or to be able to come closer to feeling. I didn't plan for this. Let's just say you're talking to someone right now who identifies being very cerebral and they're a big thinker and they're not really great at feeling. Or you're talking to someone that supports someone like that. So maybe it's the spouse or significant other of someone that's not great at feeling and you want to help them. And they may or may not know they need help. Help me to get to the place where I understand how to feel and how to know my body. Does that connect? Oh, so much. 
it's like inside my head, I'm like, oh my gosh, where do I start with this one? And you said men versus women, which I do agree with. I'm also going to throw in there that anybody who has had any amount of trauma is also struggling with this. So there's that. And it's important to understand that everything great happens in your discomfort zone. Hear that. So learning how to feel everything, giving yourself permission to feel the joy and the sadness and the extremes of joy and sadness means that you're able to feel that full spectrum of life and it's important and everything amazing is going to happen in that place where it might feel a little uncomfortable, but because you're just not used to it. And I watch zombies walking around the world who have closed themselves down from healing, feeling, feeling is healing. They've closed themselves down from feeling staying in that analytical mind place so that they don't have to feel what's in their body, which again, just repeating myself can feel really bad. Like you're going to die. So like who wants to go there? Nobody, right? Because you're afraid once you go there, you're never going to get out. You're going to be stuck in the Pandora's box. That's maybe the wrong way to say it, the pit, and you won't be able to get out, but that's actually a lie because the faster you can dive, the faster you're going to be moving out of it again. So we're standing in front of fear and feeling the feelings like it's a huge wall of fire. And so we just get paralyzed, paralyzed there. We stop and we stare at it and we don't move. But if we just jump through the wall, we're going to look back and realize, oh, that was like a millimeter thick. Why didn't I do that sooner? Wow. Why didn't I jump into that feeling and explore my humanness, my place where my heart drives and I can connect with others and the planet and anything else you want to connect with and make miracle lives happen, right? Like this is the answer, I think, to almost everything, I think, is this awareness. There's a lot of ways we can talk about awareness, right? As a hands-on therapist, I assisted people by helping them feel by first getting really quiet. I just ask, what do you feel right now? And a lot of times they would, I don't know, I don't feel anything. Do you feel the temperature of the room? Do you feel the clothes on your body? Do you feel the weight of your body in the chair right now? That's how I start people who are really locked down. And they go, of course, I feel the weight of my body in the chair. Of course, I feel my clothes on my skin. Uh, Yeah, it's cold in the room, right? They can feel... They just aren't practiced in it. I hate to use the M word on you, the meditation word, because it's more than meditation. But what if you could just feel whatever you're sensing? What if it didn't have to be that big of a deal in terms of like emotional pain right to start? That's a simple way in. I feel you because I was running the marathon last weekend and I caught myself. Congrats, by the way. Thank you. Very excited about it. We (laughs) did finish. The target was completed in six hours or less. And uh, we did. Yeah, very excited. And four times throughout the race, I caught myself thinking about the finish line and what I was going to feel. And I caught myself getting emotional four specific times in the race because I was thinking about the future. And I, and I caught myself in that moment, my body started to shut down or it started to move in an awkward way. Whenever I caught myself just thinking about the future and thinking about that emotion that I was perceiving was going to happen. 
and I had to do what my coaches taught me, which is love, but they tell you it's the wrong way. I would love for you to get your hands on me and to help me figure this out <laughs> in my body because the work I do is with somatic breath coach. I would love to have a holistic healer put hands on the places that I feel this pain or feel this fear or feel this anger or the sadness because I felt it, it, all of the spectrum of emotions I felt during the race. And I would have shut down and stopped running or stopped walking at that moment if I didn't come back by meditating or breathing right there in the moment in the race. The M word may be a word that some people will just gloss over like, oh, I tried that, I do that. That really is a great gateway into starting to feel is getting really comfortable with your breath and getting real comfortable with the sensations in the body. So kudos to you for being able to help illuminate the path. I'd love to go deeper down the path. I'd love to take us there. Let's say that we start meditating or breathing or some form of this. How does that help us bridge this gate from analytical to feeling? Like what's the next step or what is it that you can help with an analytical type in getting to that place? So breathwork is probably the most profound, fastest way in. So I love that you brought that up. And your somatic breathwork is a profound modality. I'm practiced in myofascial release and craniosacral therapy and energy therapies and all the hands-on pieces that we would combine with things like breathwork and dialoguing and all of the things that, you know, it, we need to help people by integrating all of these modalities. And there are some hands-on, hands-off. It depends on the person's situation and levels of trauma, but there's always ways that we can help them feel and be in their body so that they can experience and then release whatever the energy is that the problem. And a lot of the times you said somatic breath work, somato-emotional release is something that I've been trained in. It's accessing the tissue so that the emotion can release. Uh, we're all so afraid of crying, y'all. Let's just cry some more because like, it feels really good as a release to get in there into these places where these trauma energies have been lodged and we locked down in survival mode, or maybe we were taught not to feel, not to cry, not to whatever. We have teachers and coaches and parents who shoved that into us you know, at an early age, who knows? So when we start to access those places and the cry comes up, we have to ease ourselves into allowing. And it's not easy. It is not easy, but it's totally worth it. The next step you asked is if I'm feeling the weight of my body in the chair, if I'm feeling the sensation of the breath moving in and out of my nose or my mouth, or I can feel the belly moving up and down, then I would say drop into your entire system, head to fingertips to toes. What's that feel like when you drop in down into your pelvic bowl, into your belly button, into your core? What And just curiosity and detachment from the outcome are my biggest okay. advice. Be curious. What do I feel? I don't know let me journal a little bit about it after, right? So I'm going to immediately add a little bit of therapeutic journaling into the what do you feel? What do you notice? I realized a little bit ago that my form of meditation is pen to paper. Mm. That is how the energy moves and shifts okay. with me. I kept trying to sit on a pillow with my eyes closed 
And I kept having this urge to write. Finally, one day I said to myself, then just write. Why are you forcing yourself to stay in the pillow when everything in you, your intuition, that urge is saying, move the energy with words onto the paper. So that was my piece of it. It was my version of meditation. I would say to you and your audience, what is your version where you feel connected to something a little bigger that's moving the energy? Discover that, explore. Yeah, I'm with you on this one. I like to write too. I used to feel really impatient towards meditation and sitting on the pillow. Then the solve for that for me was also I could combine like stretching with it. So I would sit in a very unique position so that I'm stretching at the same time as I'm breathing. That was a little bit of a help. And I came back to what you're saying right now is that my form of meditation is it's journaling. Journaling. It wants to come out that way and move to the paper that way. That, that deeply connects. Stretching is an incredible meditation practice. If you can stay in your body and do long, slow, releasing holds in your stretches, your practice becomes meditative. Mm. And I, it's, I love that you brought that up because that was me too, especially in my running days when stretching had to be a part of my routine and martial arts as well, of course. And I would challenge my clients to slow down and hold a stretch for three to five minutes. And they would look at me sideways. And that's a myofascial principle. The tissue doesn't start to warm and elongate until after about three to five minutes. And here we're being taught, oh, hold it a minute, hold it 30 seconds, move up and down, do this, do that. And so the long, slow, gentle, mindful holds you might be so surprised at the effect of that. Not only that, the physical effect, but also you're meditating. You're feeling your body. Wow. That's a shifter for me because I've not heard that before to keep it for three to five minutes. And I have been breaking the stretches and doing a number of stretches in my 15-minute meditations. This is helpful. I'm going to try this immediately starting today. This is really good. All of the techniques are great. They're all great, and I'm not going to nix any of them. But what I'm going to say is that when I learned the myofascial principles, the principles of the connective tissue inside, and realized that there was a chemical, physiological happening at the three to five minute mark, my whole world changed in my body. Because I was starting to feel releases that I never felt before in my shorter or different kinds of stretches. I'm also a fan of active stretching, which is movement. You might stretch your arm out like this, but an active stretch is more like active. It's like an, a movement where you're going to do it over and over again. Those are great warm-up stretches. But if you want to do something that's going to be over time more effective for increasing flexibility, then you might think about a myofascial kind of stretch. Mm. And the myofascial stretch is the one you're talking about, the holding it for longer, the long, slow, gentle stretching and the holds. That's good. Exactly. Not to mention the mental opportunity you have to check in. Check in with curiosity, check in to the best of the yeah. way we know how to, with a detachment to the outcome. Just simply be, for those of us that have trouble holding that space of silence, holding that space in ourselves for any period of time, call it meditation, call it during the stretching you coach us to be curious, be detached from the outcome. How? <laughs> and I know that we don't have hours and hours to break that down. 
<laughs> I love it though. It's best question ever to all of you athletes out there. When you begin a long, slow hold stretch and you're using it as a meditation and a body awareness practice, which is what I highly suggest. And you could even set your timer for three to five minutes. Start with three, see how it feels. If you're not feeling a release in three, hold it longer, <laughs> four to five. But when you're there and you're relaxing and you're clearing your mind, you're allowing the thoughts to come in and float by like you've hopped off on the bank watching the boats float down a river. You're going to watch your thoughts float and they'll come in, they'll come out, but you want to check back into your body, into your whole system. And I want to challenge you to notice what is tensing or bracing during the hold and see if you can unclench yourself. But don't always think that the clench is going to happen in the body part you're stretching. Let's say you're stretching your hamstrings and you're sitting on the floor with one leg out and you're reaching for your toes, right? And that's going to be the hamstring stretch. But when you're doing this much more slow, long hold and you're focusing on some quieting of the mind, you're relaxing and you're just noticing what you feel, being curious, having fun, relaxing. What you'll notice is that parts of you begin to tighten. They clench and it could even be your jaw. So I want you to notice what's tightening in your system, your three-dimensional connected system and unclench that piece. Maybe it is up in your head, neck and shoulders. And so I'll combine these long, slow hold, meditative hold stretches with a body scan Check your head, neck, and shoulders on your next exhale. Can you release that tightening? Come down, and right? And so we could go through the whole body like that, even though we're just stretching the hamstring, so to speak. <laughs> you can find what other parts of you are getting in the way of a full release. It is eye-opening what will be holding and clenching while you're trying to, quote, stretch your hamstrings or whatever it is. You detach really by practicing the release, the mind clearing, the detachment is a lifelong practice also. So Absolutely. that is a tough one to get into without wanting to recommend about 10 books on the subject. We're going to come to book recommendations in a few minutes. We're coming, we're coming. Just pause, dear listener, for the effect here that it's not something you can think your way through. You have to practice this quantity plus quality plus frequency mean number of times you do it. Quantity plus quality plus frequency that's your practice. That's how you solve is by practicing. This is not something you can think your way through, listeners. You must get into that moment and do this to learning. Like do it while you're in it, not right here on the sidelines while we're on the show, just listening to the podcast. <laughs> you got to practice. You got to practice it. And the results will absolutely blow your mind when you stick with it. If you go and do it once and think you're going to get the cure for cancer and you're going to have the most flexible person after a marathon, after one stretching time where you're intentionally having a myofascial release stretch, it's not going to work. You're kidding yourself. You've got to stick with it and keep practicing. This has been really insightful and amazing. And I love to keep going down the rabbit hole. And I want to respect the time and start to shift to how do we find out more about you? Where is the social media place? Where's your website? Just give us the map to find you, Laura. 
Oh, thank you so much. Bravehealer.com. You guys come on over. There's a contact form. There's all the social links there. I'm on Facebook, Brave Healer by Laura. I'm on Instagram, Brave Healer Productions. You can basically type in Brave Healer in most places and find me. And LinkedIn too, of course, Laura DeFranco. I'm doing a lot of networking. I'm loving to chat with you. And just if you need someone to pick, you want to pick my brain about publishing, you need some guidance. I'm cool with that. Awesome. I love to do it. Awesome. And I believe that if our listeners are nice to you, that you may have an offer for them today. (laughs) What offer might you have for the listeners today, Laura? Oh, I love giving you guys access to the Brave Healer Resources Vault. Over the years of my business building, I kept putting new freebies in the vault. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And I have this library for you for writers. You want to publish, you're building your business, you're building your author platform and email list. Oh my gosh, you are not going to believe what kind of resources are in there for you. The ideal client we talked about, Mm -hmm. a whole masterclass in there for you. Wow. Wow. Thank you. Thank you for that. And that's at bravehealer.com. And Laura, this has been absolutely amazing today. And I believe we are ready to move to a ding, ding, the lightning round to wrap up today. And you've already hit on it a little bit. You start talking about, you want to recommend 10 books. Hey, the first question, lightning round. If you recommended, let's say three books, three books that really have inspired or impacted you in some way, shape or form in your life, I would love to ask you what three books you might recommend. Feel free to recommend your own books too, if you like, as the three or add to those. (laughs) It's hard not to want to, right? But two that came to my mind as a, a healer entrepreneur, and I know that you'll love them because if you loved talking about awareness today, you're gonna love Joy Is My Justice. You can see the... The post-it notes, guys. I like, I went crazy on this one, right? Joy is my justice. Reclaim what is yours by Tanmeet Sethi. Loved it. Another one that's an older book that I come back to is called The Big Leap by Dr. Gay Hendricks. That's a book about awareness that will take you to another level. He talks about the upper limit problem. And as an entrepreneur, and if you're actively growing your business, you're going to come up against your upper limit problem over and over. Mm -hmm. And you want to recognize it. And so he helped me take that awareness to the next level. Any author who helps me do that, I'm going to share about their book. And in terms of my own, yeah, thank you. I'm going to give you a little sneak peek into our expert collaboration world with Love Warriors and Mindset Mastery. This is where I asked my friends to come and talk about these topics with me because I know a lot of professionals who love to teach mindset. They love to teach healing. So In Love Warriors, The Conscious Expert's Guide to Healing, Joy, and Manifestation, we talk a lot about healing in mind, body, soul. And of course, the Mindset Mastery book, um, Awareness, Meditation, Mindfulness, and Manifestation for the Spiritual Warrior, because I wanted you all to have a toolkit. There isn't one way for everybody. So I wanted you all to have a toolkit of ways and stories so that you could find a nugget I broke your rule. I said four books. So there you go. Ah, Nice. I love it. Fiercely independent and a rule breaker. Love it. Let's keep going. I'm going to ask you if there is, let's go to music. If there is a song or an artist or a genre of music that really fills your bucket, what is the music that comes to mind for you, Laura? (laughs) 
Oh, y'all are going to think I'm a crazy alien, but I love EDM and I am a raver. Awesome. And no, so, you're not a crazy yeah. alien. You're an awesome, sexy, hippie warrior goddess. Oh. This is awesome. Oh, okay. I love EDM too. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I'm just, the one that comes to my mind is how deep is your love by the disciples? So I listen to a lot of different kinds of EDM, but that is the one I have on my repeat in Spotify. Yeah. How deep is your love? The disciples, the disciples, great. Yeah. I love how Spotify, I could just go, I can type this exact song in there and I could be listening to it within a minute of when we finish. I'm going to go put that in. So this is awesome. This is great. This is great. Super cool. Last question. When you hear the name of our show, this is the Eternal Optimist podcast. What does Eternal Optimist, what does that mean to you? First of all, I'm in love with the name of your podcast and someone who is unapologetically willing to call it that. Because that is the way you manifest a life that you love and you leave that legacy for your kids. You stay in a high vibe energy unapologetically, even when people are looking at you, telling you that you're doing it wrong. You do it anyway. And because the proof of it is in your life all around you. And no matter what anyone says about it, you're like, eh, I'm good. And so I love the title of your podcast. That's what it means to me. Awesome. Great answer. And unapologetically <laughs> do things the way you do them. And if others say something, you know what? I'm good. Okay, great. Yeah. I can accept that. I'm perfectly willing to accept that and keep moving. So awesome. This has been uh, fantastic to connect with you. You brought a smile. I love the way you introduced sexy hippie warrior goddess. And then you walk through a masterclass on emotional intelligence and being able to feel. You did that all in a short period of time and gave us access to the bravehealer.com, the resource library, where our listeners can go for free and learn anything about publishing your book. And I'm sure there are many resources in there that can serve you listeners. So check that out and go and have fun. And I love the way that you started to talk about your Joy is My Justice book, where in there you showed it and there were like a bazillion different sticky notes that were, that were in there. Every one of my books is same way. I love that you do that. It's been a real honor to have you today, Laura. Just thank you so much from the bottom of our heart for being with us. Thank you, Matt, so much for having me. Thanks what you're doing for people like me to just help us get our words out there. Really appreciate it.